1: Welcome to our programme. I'm John O'Connor. Amongst the items coming up in our programme later, Dairy Gold, our sponsor, confirms September milk price. Phelim O'Neill, markets specialist from Brussels on potential Irish product displacement in the British market due to Brexit. Adam Woods, beef editor, Irish Farmer's Journal on changes to factory cattle weights. Author John Hawk reviews his new book Mitchellstown Cooperative Agricultural Society Limited, a history 1919 to 1990. But our top story Dairy Gold confirms September milk price. Dairy Gold confirms that its base price for September milk supplies based on standard constituents of 3.3% protein and 3.6% butterfat inclusive of VAT and bonuses is 29.19 cents per litre, an increase of 0.5 cents per litre on the August milk price. This equates to a farm gate milk price of 35.4 cents a litre, based on average September milk solids for all Dairy Gold milk suppliers. This 0.5 cents per litre increase is in response to some positivity in dairy powder markets in recent weeks. While at the same time, Dairy Gold continues to actively progress its current €130 million Euro capital investment programme across its dairy processing sites to meet milk supplier members' milk volume growth ambitions, and that statement from Dairy Gold chairman John O'Gorman. The Dairy Gold board continues to monitor market developments and remains focused with regard to maximising the commercial return and ensuring operational efficiency. And that statement from Dairy Gold, our sponsor, issued on Thursday, October 17th, 2019. Dairy Gold and Chagas will run a joint event on the farm of Tom O'Connell, Gertine in Ascara, on Wednesday, 23rd of October, starting 11am. Topic, Labour Management. Park's Marion Beecher will speak on the attributes required for employing labour, be it full-time or part-time labour. The event will be signposted from Cork-Coachford Road, and the air code is P31KX93. That's air code P31KX93. IFA Presidential and Deputy Presidential debates for Cork will be held in the Oriel House Hotel, Colleague on Thursday, 24th of October at 8.30pm. The IFA invites all members to attend this debate so they can hear firsthand the policies for the next four years from each of the candidates and will get the opportunity to put questions to each of them in a question and answer session. An important IFA meeting is planned for 23rd of October 2019. An IFA regional dairy farmer meeting on managing dairy calves and milk price outlook. It takes place in Rochester Park Hotel, Cork from 11am to 1.30pm. That's from 11am to 1.30pm. Panel of contributors from the IFA, from Chagask, ICBF, ICOS Marts, and local co-ops. Topics for discussion. No sustainability with profitability. Management of dairy calves, improving calf to beef value and milk price outlook. And that's all taking place in Rochestown Park Hotel Cork from 11am to 1.30pm on Wednesday 23rd of October. The 37th National Dairy Show has been underway at the Green Glens Arena in Mill Street since 9 o'clock this morning, attracting large crowds already. That's the National Dairy Show, Green Glens Arena, Mill Street, open since 9 this morning. The National Dairy Show since 9 o'clock this morning in Mill Street. The Department has announced that Interim nitrogen and phosphorus P statements for the period January to August 2019 are now available on the Department's online system. And that's www.agfood.ie. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Michael Creed TD, on 16th of October announced the commencement of advanced payments under the 2019 Basic Payment Scheme BPS, including greening. Minister Creed said he was happy to confirm that advance payments under the BPS worth €747 million Euro to 114,500 farmers had commenced issuing on October 16th. Minister Creed said these payments are a vital support for farmers across the nation and contribute greatly to maximising income and cash flow in the sector. And that's Minister Creed announcing advance payments of €747 million Euro under the twenty nineteen Basic Payment Scheme BPS two hundred and fourteen thousand five hundred farmers. A major conference on forest farming will take place in the Celtic Ross Hotel Ross Carberry, County Cork, on Monday twenty first of October. It will be opened by Agriculture Minister Michael Creed and starts nine AM. Registration is essential. Further information from Munster based Forest Owners Cooperative Society Timber Producer Group and the website is focs.ie website and that conference on forest farming takes place at Celtic Ross Hotel, Roscarbury, County Cork on Monday 21st of October starting 9am, scheduled to be opened by the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Michael Creed Next item, Cork East Ploughing. Mr Philip Cotter PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Philip, welcome to the programme.
0: Tomorrow's match in Bartlemy. you have details on that Philip Thanks very much, John. That's correct. Yeah. After our break for a couple of weeks, we're back on this, on stream again on tomorrow in Bartlemy and uh, on the lens of Mr. Terence Coughlin by his kind permission. Now, we plowed on this field before and the best direction I can give anybody, it's on the old Ratcarmuck Watergrass Hill Road and it's on the roundabout, the field on the roundabout. Most of the ploughmen will be familiar with it. We ploughed in it twice before, I think, or a few times. So that's on tomorrow. Now we're starting very sharply at 11 o'clock because of the the weather and and evenings closing terribly quickly. So it's starting sharp at 11 o'clock and anybody interested in ploughing could get in contact with Dermot D'Organ on 087... 2625165 before or up to 2pm today that's contact Dermot D'Organ on 0872625165 by 2pm today for entries and hopefully we'll be uh, up and running at 11 sharp and the day is forecasted good so at this stage they kind of have their minds made up They'll try and run the match. Uh, we had pretty bad weather for the past few days, but if the day is anywhere fair, they're uh, very interested in going ahead. So that's it, John. Back to me tomorrow um, on, on the lands of Terence, Scotland, on the roundabout on the old Brat Carmock, Hill Road. We've heard there before. And uh, 11 o'clock sharp start. Thank you very much. Give interest to Dermot Dargan on 08726. 25165 by 2pm today.
1: Thank you very much indeed, Minister. Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Thank you, Philip. Thanks a Thanks million. very much, John. Addressing the government's agri-food strategy to 2030 on Wednesday of this week, the Taoiseach Mr Radcar told delegates that no matter the outcome of Brexit, Irish product would be displaced from the British market. On the line from Brussels, Mr Phelim O'Neill, market specialist with the Irish Farmers Journal. Fellam, welcome to the programme. Now the Taoiseach's comments, uh, you might put them into context.
2: Hello, John. Uh, Yes, the deal that's been agreed here in Brussels this week uh, between the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, and the EU negotiating team uh, that is cleared at the European Union end. Uh, The UK Prime Minister now has to take this back to the UK Parliament. Uh, The debate will start on Saturday morning, but actually what I'm hearing is that it'll be quite late in the day on Saturday when they take a vote on it. And uh, as things stand, it looks like that is going to be a cliffhanger Uh, The Democratic Unionist Party, who had, a, I suppose, whilst it wasn't a a coalition, it was more like a a confidence supply type arrangement with the Conservatives, uh, they've said that they're not going to vote for it. Now, they haven't explicitly said yet that they're going to vote against it, uh, but it is thought uh, that they will oppose it. So uh, the Prime Minister is relying on a number of opposition MPs from the Labour Party uh, to, if you like, as they call it, cross the floor of the House, And vote with his party and he needs all his own party members to come on board and if you remember back a few uh, weeks ago there 21 conservative mps were expelled because they voted against a piece of legislation or they voted against the idea of the uk leaving without a deal so it now goes into what has been the entire and i suppose the only word we could describe it is we could spend the next hour talking about the complexities of the uk political system and the votes in parliament basically It's going to be touch and go if the Prime Minister can get a majority for it. He has a decent chance, mind you. There's a number of MPs that would have very publicly opposed previous attempts because, again, don't forget, this is the first attempt that Boris Johnson's had at getting in the deal approved by Parliament, but his predecessor, Theresa May, tried on three occasions uh, to get her deal through uh, Westminster. And indeed, there's many people would say that this is a much worse deal from a UK perspective. It's certainly a harder Brexit. Uh, The big difference, of course, is that he has included this time Northern Ireland, if you like, being uh, not necessarily separated. They're putting great emphasis on that they're going to be very much part of the United Kingdom, and indeed the Taoiseach has said that uh, at the end of the summit in Brussels. But the thing about Northern Ireland is it is going to be aligned with European Union customs, and european union regulatory standards so in practical terms that means the north will be effectively uh, that that's what will avoid the need for checks on the island of ireland it'll remove it'll mean the border on the island of ireland will stay pretty much as it is at the minute it's a line on the map the signs might change from kilometers per hour to miles per hour but that's basically it and, and that's where uh, that's where it's going to be it means that northern milk and northern sheep can continue to come south. Uh, and, of course, our pigs will be able to go north still. Where it gets difficult, and, and again, what we had warned about in the journal this week, uh, when we now go into, uh, if the deal is passed, and let's assume for a moment that it is, if the deal is passed in the Westminster Parliament, we go into a situation then called the transition period. That is currently time to last until the end of 2020. The purpose of that is that a new future free trade deal is negotiated between the EU and the UK, that's going to be a difficult negotiation. And it's quite likely that that could be extended by a year or perhaps even more. And it's what happens at the end of that period. Irish farmers today, if this deal's passed, needn't worry uh, for the next, at least uh, until the end of 2020, everything will be business as usual. But after that, it will depend on the free trade deal that's agreed between the European Union and the UK, and the difficulty is that deal, it's not going to be the same as EU membership. That deal is going to involve checks at the Port of Holyhead and the Port of Fishguard for, for shipments out of Ireland through Dublin and through Russell Air. Uh, and indeed, and, and then it goes from Cork across uh, to the UK as well. So that is where it gets difficult. Uh, if the deal is passed for Irish farmers, it's OK, but only for now. The real difficulties lie ahead with whatever future trading arrangements come up with. Sorry, that's a bit of a long-winded answer to a short question, John, but I hope it makes some sort of sense.
1: No, it's uh, concise and uh, comprehensive. And uh, I'm talking to you, Phelim, in the context of uh, the Taoiseach's comment that regardless of how Brexit works out, our relationship with the UK is going to be different. And there is going to be, unfortunately, product displacement, Irish product displacement in the UK markets. And we think immediately, of course, of the possibility they import a lot of uh, beef from the Mercosur countries.
2: Uh, Absolutely. Uh, You know, and that is it. We're talking about now the period whenever the free trade deals are agreed. It's not going to be the same as EU membership where we go into the UK market and the UK market has the same tariffs as the rest of the EU. It doesn't necessarily have to be like that. They will be at that stage whenever after the end of 2020 or whenever the end of the transition period happens. They will be in a position to negotiate their own free trade deals with the, the rest of the world. They can make a deal with Mercosur. They can make a deal with the United States. They can make a deal with Australia and New Zealand. And the reality is any of those countries are big exporters of beef and lamb. And whatever they give them by way of access into the UK market will actually make uh, the UK market cheaper for beef and indeed lamb than it is at the moment. And, you know, in terms of looking at this through what they call the UK consumer eyes as opposed to farming eyes, This is one of, you used to always talk about the dividends of Brexit. One of the dividends for UK consumers is that they certainly could have cheaper beef in uh, in a post-Brexit era. And that's what we would worry about in the Farmer's Journal as to what might happen, because it'll be Irish beef. We are the the top supplier of imported beef. It'll be Irish beef price that'll be undermined by any generous free trade deal that's done between the UK and either uh, Brazil, any of the South American countries, United States, uh, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, any of those countries in particular? All of them are huge meat exporters.
1: Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Fellam O'Neill, market specialist based in Brussels most of the week and uh, writing for the Irish Farmers' Journal. Thank you, Fellam, and we'll wait and see. But, of course, uh, this weekend we await the outcome of the, the vote in the UK House of Commons. There is a year or so when there won't be any change and people might get an opportunity of getting ready for a future shock. Fellam, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, John.
0: You have
3: an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Mr. Adam Woods, Beef Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, joins us on the programme. Adam, welcome to the programme. Now, apparently, the cattle trade has been hit with new weight restrictions. It's in the journal this week.
4: Yes, John, at all. Uh, key pack moved uh, last week to i suppose clarify the position on some weight limits that they uh, have implemented on on some of our with we'll say cattle that they they, they buy um, and that's we'll say mostly to do with bulls, steers, heifers and also some fat coppers on cows as well and i suppose I, I suppose on the positive side it gives clarity uh, to farmers in terms of they know exactly now in terms of where the penalties will come in terms of young bull production or or whether it's steer production or heifer production, I suppose the unfortunate point or the negative point is that it's going to hit maybe suckler farmers uh, a little bit harder because we know in the suckler uh, game we have the genetics in capital to to enable them to go to to quite high weights, but factories have argued and they've long argued this point in terms of staying in spec. Uh, They want a certain carcass weight, Uh, and once you go with that 380, 390 kilo carcass, um, it falls outside of their required criteria, um, and they're going to issue penalties then on, on very heavy carcasses, we say, over that. So, so yeah, it's unfortunate from, from a sector farmer point of view that they were, they're coming in because, really, um, as I said, we have the genetics, we have the potential there to do those weights, uh, but the market doesn't seem to require those. We've also seen Ashburn meats in Rosgray uh, this week. Uh, that text message was circulated uh, to some of our suppliers, uh, again issuing some penalties for overweight stock. For example, heifers between 380 and 400 kilos. We're going to be hit with a 20 cent a kilo penalty, with a 30 cent a kilo penalty for over 400 kilo cattle, and it's pretty similar with bulls. Um, 400 kilo bulls uh, hit with with penalties of, of 10 cent, 400 to 420, um, upwards upwards to to 50 cent for over. For now I suppose 480 kilos is very very heavy, but, but Ashmore Eastern Australia would have traditionally been a a market for heavy cattle. So again, it's disappointing from a sector point of view. Again, that that we're seeing these penalties being imposed. To the system,
1: Adam, as you point out in this week's journal, farmers are uh, waiting for over a month, and of course, cattle could be way out of spec.
4: Yes, last week's kill, uh, John, was was around forty-seven and a half thousand, um, and that's unchanged from the previous week, um, and it's over a thousand uh, cattle a week down on the same week last year. And as well as farmers across the country are having difficulties with, with getting cattle killed. Uh, we've four weeks been uh, set there in some factories to get cattle killed. And that's unfortunate again because we've even seen ourselves in our own uh, project there in Cashel in Tipperary on our Thrive farm um, with some Hereford and Angus. And really, it's very important to be getting those cattle away um, because if they, if they go over fat, too, which has happened on some of the animals that we have killed in the last uh, four weeks. Uh, that five minus is falling outside of, of Angus bonuses and falling outside of spec bonuses. So if farmers have to wait four or five weeks to get cattle killed, there is a risk there that those animals will go out of Spec and bonuses will be lost. So again, it's really frustrating from a farmer point of view. We've seen uh, the factories that have to give a to go over 40,000, but there doesn't seem to be appetite there at the moment to go over that sort of 37,000 mark, uh, whether that's to do with market or whether that's to do with, I don't know, uh, manipulation of figures, I'm not too sure. But, but at the moment, the kill is staying around 37,000.
1: And it seems that there's no firm data set yet for a resumption of the Beef Task Force.
4: Yes, unfortunately, we've seen the, the meeting on Monday um, being adjourned. Um, obviously, uh, there was some protests uh, going in that morning. Um, Meat Industry Ireland weren't uh, able to get into the meeting. And um, that's to do with some court junctions that C&D Pet Foods in Edderton and County Longford uh, have outstanding on two farmers um, in Longford. Uh, and I suppose the protesters were there to, have to protest against those injunctions and they want those injunctions lifted uh, and the IFA and, and uh, the other farm organisations have come out and said that they want those injunctions lifted as to date I'm not too sure I don't think those injunctions have been lifted um, so it's it, it's also uncertain as to when that beef task force will be. We'll get a date for meeting again but I think it's really important that we, that we get in around that table and we discuss the issues we have huge issues out there on farm at the moment uh, at 350 a kilo no beef system is making money so a huge issues there and we need to get to the bottom of that what the problem is and also there are a number of objectives agreed as part of that task force as part of those i suppose negotiations from the protests that we had a month ago Uh, we need to make sure that they're all being carried out with a market insight model from both you want to see where that is whether it's coming down the line Um, and a number of other issues there would need to be resolved around that i think the sooner we get round that table and the sooner we get MII, the Department of Agriculture, will be our farm organisations around that table The better.
1: We have been warned by the Taoiseach that regardless of how Brexit goes, there could be severe product displacement on the UK market from 2020 onwards. So problems there which have yet to hatch out.
4: Yes, I guess Britain, um, will say after that transition period, while a no-deal Brexit is avoided at this stage, hopefully, and I would say it's still Brexit, it's still, it with a say, to how we will trade uh, with our nearest trading partner uh, just across the water. Um, I suppose Britain will be free to do a, a, an FTA, a free trade agreement with, with Europe, but they will also be free to do a free trade agreement uh, with the likes of South America. Uh, and, and we'll say if beef comes in from South America, it could displace uh, Irish product. And really, um, any Brexit at all isn't good news I suppose the Taoiseach this week um, has taken a move away from maybe in terms of fully uh, standing behind farmers to saying that, yes, there may be some product displacement in the UK and farmers need to brace themselves. That's a little bit worrying um, from, from a farmer's point of view in terms of uncertain times, I guess. It's really hard at the moment. Very important time out there. Weanling sales are happening. Uh, beef finishers are stocking up. Uh, and they really don't know in terms of a couple of months' time uh, where, we, where our industry will be, where our exports will be and where beef price will be at.
1: Very finally, Adam, BEAM, it does seem a shame that for whatever reason that funding from the BEAM programme should go back to the department. Uh, I understand there's been a shortfall. Have you any feedback on whether people have been getting the money, the people who applied for the BEAM, or any chance at all that the scheme might be extended and people given another chance to apply for it if they've changed their mind? I know the reduction in suckler numbers, but just for this year, a lot of people didn't understand that that reduction was for this year only.
4: Yeah, as of of the moment, uh, there is no plan to reopen that scheme. Yes, about £78 of that scheme will only be spent. Uh, That's unfortunate because there was £100 there. But I think the department have made a mistake here in terms of, um, you know, implying that that suckler cow will say five percent reduction. You know that that organic nitrogen five percent reduction. Um, that's unfortunate that that had to be there because that really stopped a lot of farmers from going into it. And it's really talking about outside both sides of their mouth in terms of for the last ten years, Chuggles advice, Department of Agriculture advice. Food Harvest 2020. Uh, all our with the strategic decisions has been around increasing output on the farm, increasing gas utilisation, uh, increasing kilos of beef that are sold, and then we turn around and ask farmers to reduce stock uh, on a whim um, and attach it to a scheme that's really, really important in terms of underpinning losses that five finishers have made in the last 12 months. Um, so confirmation letters have issued this week to farmers uh, saying that they are part of the scheme and outlining the details around the reduction in nitrogen that has to take place. uh, That's next year from from, uh, July 2020 to to July 2021. Um, And I don't think at the moment there are any plans to reopen that scheme. So again, it's, it's unfortunate that the full monies haven't been spent.
1: Well, thank you very much indeed, Mr Adam Woods, Beef Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, for taking our call. And we can only hope for the best that we won't have too much product displaced on the markets by imports from Brazil, etc. But it is a rather scary situation after 2020, but let's hope things work out. Thank you very much indeed, Adam. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Speaking to Mr Morris Shine, B&T Drystock Advisor with the Chagas office in Mallow. Morris, there is a Chagas Dairy Gold event I think you want to mention.
3: Yeah, so there's a Chagas Dairy Gold joint uh, programme event taking place on Tom and Helen O'Connell's Inniscara on Wednesday the 23rd of October at 11am. Uh, Tom is a monitor farmer in the joint programme and he's made the focus of the event is on labour management. Uh, just a bit of background on Tom's. Uh, Tom is milking 310 cows and has two full-time people employed as well as a relief labour throughout the year. Um, so, Tom has well experience in dealing with labour management. Uh, Marion Beecher from Moor Park will discuss labour management and tips on how to become a better employer. Uh, the farm is located near Innescarra which will be signposted from the Cork Cotford Road. Uh, the air code uh, for the farm is P31KX93. That's P31KX93. Morris, we want to take a very close look at various aspects of the BEEP scheme, BWP. The BEEP scheme is the beef Environmental uh, Efficiency Pilot Scheme. Uh, essentially, most people know this as when you go out and weigh the cow and calf. Um, essentially, the payment for this is €40 euros per cow and calf uh, weighed on the same day. And uh, the reason behind this is to uh, talk about the efficiency of match-up the cow's weight to the cow or to the calf's weight and try to hit a target of uh, 42% at a 200-day weight. Now, what animals would be eligible to be weighed in this BEEP scheme? Yeah, so the uh, animals that are eligible for this scheme, uh, John, is uh, any calf that was born from the 1st of July 2018 up to the 30th of June 2019. Now, the deadline date for this scheme is uh, Friday the 1st of November, so most animals have been weighed already at this stage. Now, what the animals that are eligible is from a beef sire and a beef dam uh, that was born in between them two dates that are eligible for this scheme.
1: Now, when it comes to weights, when do you submit
3: your weights Yeah so essentially when you weigh your, two, your cow and your calf on the same day um, You have up to 7 days to submit your records to the ICBF Now some people uh, automatically when they uh, pay people to come out to do it They do get uh, them to upload it directly on the farm There is devices out there There's also paper forms to fill up that can be sent off to the ICBF But the key thing is you need, when you do weigh your animals You have 7 days up uh, until you need to submit them to the ICBF website so the key date to wait these, and the ideal one, is that when the calf is between 150 days and 200 days of age. Uh, that is your ideal uh, time to wait. Now, these calves cannot be uh, weaned. They need to be still on the mother uh, without being unweaned, and they are eligible for payment then.
1: Staying with weight because weight is so integral to this whole scheme, the beep scheme, What's the optimum time to actually weigh a suckler
3: cow and calf? Yeah, so it's about five. Five months is roughly when you should be starting weighing. Five to eight months. Uh, this is when the cow itself isn't heavily pregnant itself, uh, and it'll give a good guide on how much milk uh, it's actually from the, uh, the cow itself, because that is one of the main reasons why we are weighing uh, the cow or the calves and the cow is to see how much uh, production is coming from the cow and pushing that calf on to hit the targets. Do you have to weigh? all of your animals on the same day. No, you don't have to weigh all your animals on the same day, but what you need to do to be eligible for the scheme is weigh the, the cow and the calf on the same day. So the cow and the calf has to be weighed on the same day, but you can do different groups uh, of animals. Now, the thing with that is it does add to extra cost if you are renting in uh, scales. If you do have your own scales, there is no reason why you can do it over multiple times, uh, but you, if you are renting in scales or borrowing it, you will have to do that on multiple times, and that adds to the cost of the scheme. Can you weigh a cow and her calf on different days? Your cow and her calf, they need to be done on the same day. Um, so if it's, you go on different groups, it's fine. But when you, the mother and the calf have to be born on the same day and that information has to be uploaded within seven days of the weighing taking place.
1: Now, where a cow has twins, if a cow has twins, would you have to weigh both calves as if it was just uh, the one calf?
3: Yeah, so I suppose a lot of people are questioning that A client came in to me recently and started talking about how much uh, of a reference uh, animals they have And this is one of the questions that got asked um, Essentially what you can do there is you're entitled to get two payments for that uh, cow and twins uh, What you need to do though is you need to weigh the two twins and the cow on the same day. So that'll mean a payment of 80 euros. Um, you can only weigh one cow and one calf if you want, but that'll be only eligible for 40 euros. So both the two twins, or both twins and the cow need to be weighed the same day to be eligible. So you will get payment uh, twice. And how many times would you have to weigh your animals for the BEEP scheme? Yeah, so from the BEEP point of view, uh, this is a pilot scheme. Uh, it's only once you have to weigh the cow and calf. Now, it's up to the farmers if they'd like to get more information on the cows and calves, they can weigh them out. But from the BEEP requirement, it's only once you need to weigh them. How will you weigh... Your animals. Yeah, so simply what you need to do is you need two things. You need a weighing scales and the platform itself and you need a device that can uh, generate the figure of the weight. Uh, there, are your two uh, pieces of kit that you need. Now, what a lot of people do uh, is when they are weighing it, they, they like to pull back the weigh, the weighing platform itself from the crush uh, just to make sure that the cow or calf isn't touching any barrier. Um, a lot of people use backing gates out there so in the crush, so what we need to do is make sure that the animal is not touching any part uh, of the crush back and gate uh, so the animal's weight is just solely done and uh, it's one animal that can be only weighed at a time
1: Can you use your own weighing scales?
3: Yeah, so any weighing scales can be used, but the thing with it is it needs to be registered up. Uh, To register these scales, uh, you need to go onto the ICBF website. Uh, There's a drop-down section there where you can go to services and then go to the beep section. And what you'll have there is you'll have a a section there where you can actually register up your own scales. What you need to register up your scales is the make and the model, the year you purchased, and a serial number. They are the three pieces of information you need to register up your scales. But it's important that the scales needs to be registered before you weigh the animals, along with being calibrated. If
1: you don't have your own weighing scales, what options are there for you, Boris?
3: There is a rent uh, a scale schee- uh, scheme as well, where you can go to your local co-ops, uh, or you can go onto uh, uh, online and register up at mybeep.ie, and uh, the pro- or the cost of this scales is 50 euros, and they can be got in local co-ops. Uh, another way you can do it is you can borrow a scales from your neighbour if they have a scales, but you just need to make sure before you do take it, just to re-affirm it, and needs to be registered up on the on the ICBF uh, website. Um, you can also hire a technician. Uh, what they can do is they do come out weigh your animals, and they also will register up uh, your animals on the ICBF website itself. And uh, you can rent it from a third party also.
1: Thank you very much indeed, Morris, Mr. Morris Shine, Chagask Mallow, B and T Drystock Advisor. Just a small portion of an interview there with Morris. The full interview on this coming Wednesday evening in the midweek edition of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program between 10 p.m. and 11. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program by Mr. John Hawk, author of Mitchellstown Cooperative Agricultural Society Limited History 1919 to 1990. John, this is a massive work. In fact, I think it's your third book on that type of theme. So, just to confirm the title and to refer to some other books before we go on to talk about the contents of
5: the current book you've published. John, you're right there. This is my third cooperative history. Initially, I wrote a history of our the Co-op, Society Limited, and later on, I wrote a history of Belly Clark Co-op Creamery to coincide with its centenary in 2008. So um, the idea, this book was to coincide with the centenary of Mitchison Creameries, or Mitchison Co-op, which was started in 1919
1: how long did it take you to actually research and write the 373 detailed pages with text and photographs? And indeed, where is the book available before we go any further? Because people would like perhaps to know where it's available. So the length of time it took you to get this work onto the shelves, so to speak.
5: Well, definitely, you could say at minimum two years and possibly three or four years if we take preliminary work. So it's available locally. At most Mitchellstown branches, including at um, Caris uh, Raheen, Rahin, um, Mogidi, etc. It's also available in some local shops, plus in uh, Phillips in, in Mallow, and also in Lombardstown, Butterfund, and places like that. So it's it's readily available locally, and certainly if you contact uh, Derigold or myself later on. If, if we're not in that catchment area, we can definitely get a copy, Joe.
1: And can I ask you, John, to confirm the title of your work?
5: Right. Uh, the title of the book is uh, Mitchelstown Cooperative and Cultural Society Limited, 1919 to 1990, A History. So I emphasise the word a history because obviously it's my interpretation of said, um, the sources I, I looked up. Now, there are, it's basically a business history of Mitchell Sound Cooperative. Now, as I say, someone else looking at the same source might have come up with a slightly different thing. You have to sift through uh, an amazing amount of source material and try and put a of shape in it. So that's my take on the history of Mitchell Sound co which I found absolutely fascinating because it is a great story. Once it, once you got hinted, you could see the twists and turns of it. The ingenuity of the various managers, etc. So, I actually found it most um, entertaining in a sense, even to research it.
1: When we look at the cooperative movement in Ireland, I presume we have to look uh, initially to the key instigator, Horace Plunkett, later Sir Horace Plunkett.
5: Yes, Sir Horace Plunkett was very important, and he was ably backed up by. Robert Anderson and Father Finley, and they brought the concept of farmer control uh, to their business. They had this idea: if the farmers banded together, they say either in purchasing their requirements, feed or fertilizer, or in the sale of produce, milk, cattle, etc., then they will get a better return for their money and uh, for their business. And their motto was: better farming, better business, better living. So, I mean, their idea was that they wanted the farmer, the primary producer, to have the benefit of his labour. And, uh, you know, it was a a big boon to to local small towns, small villages, especially the creameries. Without the farmer's produce, uh, you would have nothing to manufacture, whether it was butter or uh, slaughter pigs, etc. And also in that regard, you would take account of the many employees of the cooperative who gave a lifelong service, you know, whether they were working in, in the branch stores, the branch creameries, the piggeries, the farms, etc. So it was a kind of a combined effort, and there suddenly there was a pride of place, you know, in those sort of enterprises.
1: And there is still a great loyalty to the concept of Mitchellstown Cooperative Agricultural Society Limited you really ought to mention a number of key people who through the years were instrumental in bringing Mitchellstown Cooperative Agricultural Society to the great role it took up in the uh, following years. So some prominent names associated with the co-op.
5: Well, I suppose initially we just started off with, uh, we say uh, 1919. The store manager was David Walsh and he put in a firm foundation for the society. Next in line, are next next major player was Eamon Roach, who became manager of Mithersand Creameries when they established the Creamery division in 1925 and he was instrumental in securing a license to manufacture processed cheese with which Mitchison became synonymous over the years. He established the trademarks of Geltie, Kelvita, Three Counties, which became iconic brands in their own right. Now. Backing those sort of people up, you had a very dedicated committee. You had the likes of Conor Bryan, who was chairman for 42 years, which sounds amazing in this day and age. Uh, You had the likes of Roger Kiley and James Quinlan, among others. Now, this continued for up to maybe 20, 30 years, in the sense that uh, the the combination between Walsh and uh, Roach lasted for quite a while but they were able to succeed in by the likes of jim lynch who had been a manager of cantor but was appointed on Roach's date and also later still by john mccarthy who was a famous man for the cheese and he really pushed on quality milk and pushed the brands along and they became ever more famous in the sense that were, even when RT television was coming out in 1962, they actually had their ads ready for television six months prior to that. So the sponsor programs were famous. They were great at marketing. So definitely the Galti Calvita, Three Counties Cheese, these really worked very well. And later on again, you had the Bacon Factory with, with Galti Bacon, which became synonymous with Mitchellstown and, and the society around it. And at that stage, you'd have 1,000 employees in Mitchellstown, and these were drawn from North Cork, we we'll say, past the Tipperary, and south-east Limerick adjoining Mitchellstown. And it provided the town with a great fillip. You know, there was there was big money being spent in the town itself when the wages were paid out towards the evening, the the local hostelries, shops, etc., Gained a lot. And literally speaking, if you were a supplier or a customer in you could go in, get your boots, shoes, uh, clothes, groceries, fa- farm requisites, feed, and fertilizer, such as a kind of one stop shop. In effect, it sometimes worked like a bank because they say a lot of these items were available on credit, and certainly it helped the entire community over many generations. Thank you, John. Mr. John Hawk,
1: author of Mitchellstown, Cooperative Agricultural Society Limited, a history 1919-1990, to 1990, available in the Mitchellstown area and wider Munster area. Next episode in the midweek edition of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, this coming Wednesday evening between 10pm and 11. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot and Controls and, of course, to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. Thanks for listening. Dairy Gold Agribusiness. For quality
0: feed, expert service and support you can trust.